I'm Jim Duncan, Nest Realty, Real Central VA, Real Central, Real Crozet VA. Uh, sitting here with Bart, and we're missing Dave. Yeah, I'm Bart from Scrimmage Play. We don't have Dave Stipe from Rockfish today. Uh, he's very busy, but we're gonna get into some serious issues because Dave's not here. That's that's <laughs> that opens up that possibility. So uh, we, you know, when you're kind of thinking through ethics when it comes to real estate. Mm -hmm. Talk to me just about that as an issue in general. Well, it's a first ethics. I think that it's for me personally, it, it's more, it's less ethics as ingrained by the code of ethics by the realtors and more just how I was raised. It's just, it's also because I have an adult old brain that's easier to be honest at all things. But the code, there's a the very, very long code of ethics uh, that the realtors you know, subscribe to. And it's, it's really, again, practically, I don't have a choice as to whether I'm going to subscribe to them. It's, do I want to be a realtor and have access to the MLS? Oh, okay, then I need to be ethical. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but it's something that, you know, I was in a meeting years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago at the, at the state. We were talking about how to make realtors better and a better profession, all this stuff. And they said, we, mean, we need to make the code of ethics stronger. I'm like, great. Sit in this room, like 15 people, all high level around the state. I said, great. How many of y'all filed a code of, code, of, code of ethics violation against another agent? None of them. None? None. Because it's just, it doesn't, as a, as a practicing realtor, it does not necessarily benefit my clients if the other agents are ethical. Meaning that if I file a complaint against, you know, against Dave, and you know, gets, you know, he gets like a $50 fine or whatever. When I take an offer to Dave three years later, and it's one of two or three offers, my clients are gonna be harmed. Right. Which, you know, it doesn't really benefit me to have that on my record, if you will, with, you know, reputationally. So it's something that when there are a couple agents that I don't, you know, the code of ethics say, say I can't say anything bad about other agents unless it's true. I generally, again, subscribe to if mama, you know, listen, you know, if you don't think I say, you know, don't say anything. The Bambi rule. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's something that there are agents that I will prepare my clients for of nothing explicit of this person did this, but this may be a bumpier ride right. than we might otherwise have. What's an example of an unethical behavior? Like, fine, everybody can argue, like, like something that's objectively unethical right. in real estate. Well, I mean, I think it's something that, again, you look at the, the code and the guidelines, you know, one is procuring calls and one is um, saying something not nice about another agent on social media. You know, you can't, you know, there are, there are you know, there are explicit rules. But I think that from, for me, it's just, you know, I, I think that it's somebody who doesn't necessarily present the offer I submit to their client. You know, that's unethical. There's no way to necessarily prove that. You know, if, we, if, we, if there are five offers submitted and one of the eight, and you know, mine is, mine's the worst offer of the bunch. You know, I would like to have assurance that that offer is presented. Don't necessarily have that. Some markets they have, they present the offers in person. Which would allow for right. knowing, you know, affirmatively that's been done. But it, it's it's you know, ethics are tough. I mean, it, it's something that you, know, you don't. 
I don't think that you can become ethical because the, the words say you have to be ethical. Right. It has to be ingrained from your brokerage, from your, you know, from your own personal integrity, and has to be practiced. Because it, you know, I don't. I tell my clients that you know, well. So years ago, many years ago, remember this is a client of mine. We were different market, you know, crazy hot. They wanted to. They wanted to make an offer on a house that was. He doesn't. He didn't know if he was. He thought he was probably going to get the job. But he wasn't 100% sure. Sure. And he said, uh, I said, great, we can't make an offer. You know, we can't make an offer until you have a job. And he said, well, can we make the offer contingent on me getting a job? No, because it's not going to be accepted. <laughs> okay, can we make the offer and not tell them it's contingent on me getting a job? <laughs> and I looked at this guy and I'm like, no. And I, and I said, point blank, I said, there's a much better likelihood of me working with this other agent than I am with you. Yeah. And he looked at me just dumbfounded. And I said, look, I, you know, it's a small town. You know, you know one, it's a small town. Two, I've got integrity. I'm not going to jeopardize. And three, realistically, that you know, in four years, that agent's going to remember if I screwed him over on a, on a transaction. And the guy was really, he was surprised. Uh, and it, I ended up representing them on the purchase of their house. And then many, many years later, I represented them again on the sale. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's, that's um, I think it's so hard. And, and there's no way to, there's no online way to, to say, oh, you know, that person's ethical. Because you don't see necessarily. Well, you were talking about, so you were talking about sharing. Like when, on your Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now like there are certain like certain ways that you can set the privacy settings that you can share something publicly you can share something to your friends but you can't see it and i'm sure that's been going on for a long time but like it's more obvious now like in the counts and stuff and it's i have to go through like three different steps if i want to like get a glimpse of what's going on there right. and it maybe it i wouldn't call it subterfuge but it like takes like some effort <laughs> um and i think that my big thing yeah, I think it goes for any business. I think it's, you know, especially when you look at guys who are running a restaurant or a brewery or something like that, like feedback and like the things that get said about you online have a huge role in how people perceive your company, right. you know, or how they perceive your product or that's why people pay for fake Amazon reviews mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, that's like, and it matters. Like people, people trust the mob now. Right. And I think that like, it, and I always have seen those situations like where you get something that's said negatively about you. I've generally seen, I mean like sure, like I'm not above getting my feelings hurt, but like I've generally seen those as an, like, an opportunity right. to make things right or an opportunity to change someone's mind. Like, I mean, you get an email that like is blistering. Like I've gotten emails that are blistering from people and they turn, I've been able to turn people around and they become some of our biggest supporters. Right. Like same thing I'm sure is true in any business, but real estate to me, like where everything is based on your reputation, like just solely your reputation and trust. Like I imagine that's particularly difficult. Well, it's hard. I mean, so two things, it was one, Years ago, I lost an opportunity with a client because of a bad review on a site that was password, password protected. And he said, it was on Angie's list. Uh -huh. And it was a bad review. And I looked at it, and finally after he told me, he said, because he, he said, I read this review, you hadn't responded. And that's why I lost that opportunity. 
But so I looked at it and I was like, well, this is, she's wrong. My client just had a completely poor understanding of what went down. Uh-huh. And so I like a 16 paragraph response to it. You know, and it said, I understand that you're upset. However, this is what actually happened. Um, you know, for me, Angie's List is dead. But it's, but the, I don't know if I've talked about it before. I know I've written about it. The, 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 the real estate world is broken from an ethics perspective and a review. Because there's no way I can go and say, I'm moving to San Diego to find the most ethical realtor. There's no rating online. Right. One, agents for, for my, my lens don't report unethical realtors. So there's, there's a breakdown. Yeah. Uh, and two, it's, you know, you look at the reviews online and most of the Zillow reviews are positive. Right. You know, so almost everything is a five-star review. Well, nobody asks like a client that's having a negative experience, like, hey, get out there and give me a, give me one of them fine reviews. So I, we talked about a couple weeks ago, I, I started to go into get, me getting fired. Yeah. My best Zillow review is a one that is, I think it's three stars or two stars. I had clients who were very upset, um, and I screwed up. You know, it's my best review because one, it I think it adds real legitimacy to the rest of the five star reviews. I've got you know however, however many I have, all but this one are five stars. But having one that's a negative review, I think is it adds credibility to it. Right. Um, but I got they fired me because we made an offer on a house that was. Well, they wanted to make an offer on a house, and I, said, and I was more concerned with resale of how the, I perceived it to be paying too much. Right. I said, like, guys, in seven years you're going to be, you know, you're going to be underwater tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But in seven years, when you come to me, we're not going to be able to sell. And I was so so narrowly focused on resale that they lost the house. Right. And in hindsight, I, one, I still think it was the right advice. Two, I should have listened to them and let them buy the house because it's not my life. You know, yeah, yeah. But it's and I, so it's, it's it's a great review because one, it has credibility. Two, I learn from. It. Yeah. You know, you don't learn, you don't learn from things. You know, Bart, you did so great. The podcast was awesome. You learn from. I learn a lot from those situations. <laughs> I learned how great I am. You know, like that's important. <laughs> you know, you got to know self esteem. It, it, it really does, dude. It's tough to get up in the mornings. You know, <laughs> like it gives you that extra boost. You got to take it. You know, I like, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think that in general, you're not going to maybe learn something from that. Like, the positive reviews are nice, but, like, you do want, like, you can't learn nearly as much as you can from a negative frustration. And, like, to me, like, that's, like, a the ultimate sports lesson, like, that you can learn more from a loss than a win. Yeah. Like, I think that that matters. And I think too often we're concerned with trying not to lose as adults that – you know, we become obsessed with sort of protecting that and not losing when like sometimes like a loss is like a loss, like yeah. and it's okay and you can learn from it and pick something up from it, you know? Yeah. I, but when that loss is tied to an unethical action <laughs> from another person, it becomes like, I have, I struggle with that. Like, I mean, I'm sure that I've done things and I'm sure there are people out there that have said like, oh, like I did not enjoy dealing with that guy like I mean it's probably it's super fair um, and I've made mistakes and I've done those things but like generally speaking you know I've tried to be you know approach things like you're talking about like that you're trying to do right by people that you're trying to help them make the best decision or you're trying to help them whatever you don't really want to 
Because like in the end, like it's all sales. Like if you're selling, well, it is. But it, you're depend. You're dependent. Like one of our agents said years ago, we were talking, we were talking a similar conversation, and she said, and she's really good. And the agents at Nest are good. I mean, I think that it's something that I feel comfortable about that. From you know within our firm and across our markets, we have ethical good realtors, just flat out. I would be comfortable hiring any of the agents that we have in Charlottesville for my own for, for my own representation. But that but this agent said that she said she was going through a horrific transaction and she said, My clients are great, I'm pretty good at what I do. We are solely dependent on the quality of the other agent. You know, and it's it's it is something that when I see a name of another agent, I can tell my clients, oh yeah, this is going to be great. I have no issues at all. We'll be able to do things verbally. It's be fine. And there are a couple agents where I'm like, you're not going to find this online because one, you know, there's nowhere to really do it. And two, the clients aren't qualified to know whether they're good or bad. Yeah, because clients don't, like, unless... They're like major brokers. They don't do enough. Right. Like people that buy a bunch of different stuff. Like they don't participate. I mean, like I have participated in one real estate transaction my entire life. Yeah. That's it. And so, and you do it every one, most of it, every seven to 15 years, they do one transaction. Right. So it's all based on that transaction 12 years ago. Everything's changed in 12 years. But it's something that, again, from, from an ethical perspective, it's hard, it's hard for, the, for the consumer to know without asking a good agent. Yeah. You know, is this person that I'm hiring good? I think there's a market for that. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah. Jim, I'm hiring this person. Are they any good? Oh, they're terrible. Go away from them. Give me some money. Or they're great. Feel good about your hiring decision. Uh, but, you know, I... You're talking I, about being like a human Yelp for real estate agents? Human off-the-record Yelp. Off the record, I couldn't, be, I couldn't get a reputation. This say. doesn't. No, I, this doesn't <laughs> sound like a business idea anymore. This sounds like subterfuge, man. This sounds like. Uh, this, but it's useful subterfuge. Yeah, it sounds like I. I feel like that that's not going to work out well for you. <laughs> like I think that this is going to be like if if I show up and like I like go online and I'm like looking for hey information on ethical realtors, and I look and it's, you know. Dim Junkin. <laughs> and look at that. Like, I feel like the people are going to trace it back to you, man. There's, I, there's an opportunity for them to find me and you know, leverage against me. I think that, yeah, I think it could be trouble for you. You're going to have to pick what, pick a side. <laughs> and then you're not going to be in the game anymore. And then your information is no good. It's like you go to, go to conferences and you say, oh, this guy's, you know, he's the rainmaker. He's awesome. He's the best thing I've ever seen. Great. When was the last time he did anything? Oh, 15 years ago. So he doesn't actually practice. Hey everybody, I wanted to take a quick break to talk about Rockfish. I'm sure you're all aware that the music industry has changed pretty dramatically over the last decade. Artists are able to create more music than ever before. We know because we're out here making those records with them. We're working with talented up and coming artists that big labels ignore. Our mission is to make great records and create a closer connection between artists, their fans, old and new, and the recording company. It's really pretty simple. For a subscription starting at $3 per month, you get access to our entire archive of music. And inside, you not only get the records we're producing, but all kinds of rough tracks, alternate takes, and bonus material. You're gonna access all of the stages of the recording process. So go check us out at rockfishmusic.com and subscribe. 
If you're a music fan, this is an amazing way to access new music and directly support independent artists. The, the other thing I want to say is, you know, two, two quick things. One, Nest, uh, we are celebrating our 10,000th closing. You know, I put, oh, cool. put a link to uh, the video that our team did. And it's pretty cool. We started the firm 10 years ago. There were just, you know, one of us and three of us and six of us. And now we've got 11 offices and 10,000 closings. Wow. Which is something we're exceptionally proud about. Uh, so, yes, it's, it's a cool video. You can't see it, obviously. But yeah, I'll put a link up. This is an audio medium. Yeah, you know. Let's watch the video now and you describe <laughs> it. Just do, you, know, you can do play by play. It's we're going to Mystery Science Theater 3000, this sweet video. <laughs> So we're proud about that um, as, as we continue to grow the firm. And the other thing is it's mid-August right now, end of August. For people who are looking to buy or sell in the, in the spring, they need to start that, that conversation now. What has to go into that conversation? Uh, simple things. If you're a seller, get an idea of what the price should be, get projects you need to get done over the winter. If you can get a contract, to call you back. You know, take, pick, take fall pictures now. Uh, or when the, when the leaves change. So when you put it on in March, it's not desolate, it's colorful and beautiful and green. Um, and just get an understanding of what that timing is gonna be for that. Uh, and for buyers, start that neighborhood research. Start driving through you know, West Hall and Old Trail and you know, Meadowbrook Heights and everything. You know, any neighborhood you're concerned about uh, or you think you might be interested in, start driving through at all hours of the day so you learn the neighborhood. So you're looking at more than just the house you're looking at the surroundings. Uh, and starting to get for it, it's you know, self-interest. Buyers need to start talking to, to agents now to figure out what they should be doing and get direction. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. So get to work, everyone. Right. Well, thanks, Bart. End record. <laughs> do you need these voice commands, Dave? Because they're kind of fun. Because like, <laughs> we should do these more often. There's, one, there's another voice cue in like five minutes that you really need to listen to.